my job is to take care of, of the people on the other side of the room and never to ask them to take care of me. That is Luke Cage actor Michael Kostroff, also known for his recurring or series regular roles on The Wire, The Good Wife, The Blacklist, Law and & Order, and many, many, many more. And I'm Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, the no-bullshit podcast that's dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. Okay, here we go. Uh, getting right into it. First question from Sasha Dadvar. My question is this. How can I be the best I could be? How does the pro enter the room? Walk me through Mike's audition process. Okay, well, it's Michael. I'm, I'm one of those Michaels who's picky about being a Michael. Um, the first part of the question I cannot answer, how can you be the best you can be? I, I, I feel like that's a lifelong thing. I've known actors who have been obsessive about, like, I've got to take all the classes, and then actors like, like me who are much lazier. Um, I think we just keep trying to be better. I don't know about best. You know, it's a, a walk me through the process. That that I, I think we don't have time to walk you through the whole my whole process as an auditioner. But I will tell you, since you asked about entering the room, that I have um, a particular philosophy that is very different from what most actors do, and I'll give you that because that's one of the things that I talk about in my workshop. My job is to take care of of the people on the other side of the room and never to ask them to take care of me. I walk in. Whether I feel confident that day or not, I walk in like I'm the doctor, like I'm the pro, like they have called a plumber and I'm there to, to talk to them about their problem. I, I have to ask for nothing and give everything. So it's a very different way of entering a room as opposed to coming in like a, like a beggar hoping to get a coin, you know, which is how a lot of actors would walk in like, sorry, I'm here, I, I'm probably wasting your time, please don't hit me, you know. I come in like, what seems to be the problem, <laughs> you know. Um, I have a subtext in my mind, which is, I understand you need an actor, maybe I can help. That's how I come in. It's, it is a, a 180 for most actors when I tell them that and when I teach that in the class. Because uh, we mostly go into auditions hoping for an experience that makes us feel good, like it's therapy. You know, like we're hoping that they don't hurt, hurt us and that they at least smile and make us feel like we belong in the room. And then we go, oh, good, good, I survived. As opposed to going, hey, they need to cast some roles. Let me see. Maybe it's a match, maybe not. So that's me walking into the room. Okay. Um... The next question is from Kevin Meyer, and he actually asks a lot of questions that you answered on the previous podcast. But okay. he does say, do you have rules that you follow before accepting an audition? Do I have rules that I follow before accepting an audition? Um, sorry, I'm stumped by that. It's a little bit of a tough one. I, you know, yeah, I, I think this is good to share. I, I, you know, like everybody, when I was early in my career, I was like, yes. <laughs> you know, as soon as there was an audition, it was Yes. I'm sort of forcing myself to not be selective. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in a position to be snooty. Believe me, it's not like I've, you know, flooded with offers. But I, I am starting to to read the character description and look at the materials a little bit. I have really good agents who always send it. It's, this is just their language. They say, "Please read this for interest. Let us know if you're interested." And you know, it's 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 it makes me feel like I'm a star, and I'm not. But I guess I. You know, there are a couple of things I don't want to do. I don't want to play a child molester. You know, I don't do nudity. I, you know, I, I, so I'm, I'm checking for some things like that. 
but that's kind of it. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a whole lot. I, I don't like to, to, uh, cast myself in or out. That's the casting director's job. Um, I, I want to take on the, the, the challenge of, of, uh, you know, I've, I, I, at this point, I've played lots and lots of lawyers. So I, so I, I, I might, it, I'm having a hard time with this one. It's such a, such a, such a, it's such a simple question, but for some reason, it's stumping me. Do you, um, do you sometimes get auditions for, say, a lawyer and say, I've played that role before, I'm not interested? Well, okay, this is going to sound very highfalutin, but I'll share, I'll share it with you. If it's a role as a lawyer and it's not a particularly big role, I will say to my agents, just send my reel. I, I'm not going to audition for it, you know, uh, only because I've, my reel has like six or seven different kinds of lawyers on it. I play a lot of lawyers, you know, so... In a way, it's like, uh, you've seen him play this part. You don't need him to come in. So I'm doing that sometimes, especially if I'm busy. Like right now I'm working in New Jersey in this theater and going into audition means I'm taking a train back into New York City. And so do I want to do that for a lawyer role? I think they can look at my reel. But that said, sometimes they go, well, if he doesn't want to come in, we're not interested. you know. And that's the risk I take. But um, I'm not I'm not mad at the lawyer roles. They've been my bread and bread and butter, and I'm you know I I just um, I just booked another one that I auditioned for. So you know there you go. Do you ever book things directly without? You just get a call from your agent, and they say, "Hey, there's this new show. Uh, they want you to play the role of John Anderson." Yes, it's it's amazing. It's amazing to me. I, I it's such a first of all, it's so flattering. And I feel more than anything, I feel trusted. I feel like, wow, they really trust me. Um, but yeah, I get straight offers. Um, you know, I got a call. I got invited to play a judge on damages for a whole season uh, with no audition. It's kind of amazing. Um, I talked in the last episode about this crazy role of Wix that on Banshee, which was just this out there, completely not me role, and that was a straight offer. So it's it's really nice when it happens. Um, but basically, I'm, I still consider myself in the trenches. I'm in there auditioning. I, I get an opportunity. I go in. Like everybody, most of the time I don't get picked. I just have more of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Last week, I, got, uh, I did two commercials that were – I didn't audition for them. That was the first time I've, that's ever happened for a, a commercial. Isn't that an amazing feeling? Isn't that something? It, yeah. And it, at the same time, it lends to the whole – unpredictability of this business where you can yes. audition and audition, 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 like, Oh, please God, I want to get one of these. And then you wake up in the morning, you have no auditions, you have no jobs. And then all of a sudden by afternoon, you're, you have two spots. They're going to shoot. You didn't even audition for them. It's like, it's true. You know, somebody once said to me, you know, even at, at, when things feel deadly slow and nothing's going on, you don't know that somebody isn't talking about you somewhere. Yeah. I've had, I've had recently two TV jobs in one week, which is, fucking amazing you know mm -hmm. this wednesday i'm going to be filming and then coming out to do do the producers from you know this, this show, show that i'm doing in one day and it's you know it's kind of you know and then then you sit around like you feel like nobody knows you're even alive that's just the nature mm -hmm. of the job that's the gig so i got a question for you um so because i booked those those spots and at the same time one of my mentees slash friends who I met through this podcast, actually, he contacted me through Facebook and we've been friends ever since. His name's Nelson and he booked, a, uh, he booked actually two really big jobs in one week and he's pretty much just starting out. And I was telling him, don't miss this. Like, don't let this pass you by without really enjoying it and really realizing 
You are right in the good pocket right now. This is a good week. Don't miss this week. Um, what is it that you do to celebrate or be grateful when you have a great week or a great day or whatever? Listen, I just want to underline that. That's crucial. You have to do it so often. You know, we get a job and go right to, uh, oh, crap. You know, we, we find something to worry about. And, and instead of, you got to take that moment and go, oh, my God. I'm working. I've got a job. Somebody picked me. You know, my main way of celebrating is, is is calling my wife because she knows she's not in the business, but she knows what it means to get when I and I'm like, sweetie, somebody picked me. It's it's always a good day, and I, I make sure to have that conversation with her before we get into like the negotiating and all the nonsense and all the you know how how am I going to tackle the job and play the role? You know, it, you got to celebrate. Um, so that's that's my thing. Is you know my my wife is just so amazing because she's always there to to celebrate with me. And I think if you're you know if if you're not call your best friend or or go buy yourself a treat or just hang up the phone and sit there for a minute and, and take it in because those are the good days. Mm -hmm. I've seen people complain. They go right to complaining. They're like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, but I got to do this and this and this. Shut up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Enjoy mm -hmm. the moment. I'm real big on that. I think it's, it's, it's hugely important. I remember when I f booked my first uh, co-star on a TV show and I was talking to a friend of mine who's really successful. He's not an actor by any means. Uh, very successful guy. And... I booked it and he said, what are you going to do to celebrate? That was the first thing he said. And I said, I said, oh, I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to have to do, you know, I'll have to do something, but I got to, you know, I got to start memorizing lines. He said, no. He said, what are you going to do to celebrate? Yeah. What are you going to do to celebrate? He like wouldn't, he would not let me put that on the back burner. He said, what are you going to do to celebrate? Amen to that. You know, I, I and so, sometimes when you book a job, the first thing is the agent starts to talk to you about the details and the, the deal and the, you know, how much and the dates and, uh, you know. I, when I booked the producers tour, you know, the first national tour of the producers, I said, I got to talk to you later. I, I can't hear anything you're saying. I'm just like, I'm so, I'm so excited and so happy. I'm like, I just, just say yes and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's right. just, you know, and I, I think we, we, a lot of actors were sort of like sad sacks. We're a little curmudgeonly and we were just look, we just, Go right to robbing ourselves of the joy. Mm -hmm. What you really have to not do is call anybody who's going to be a downer. You know, if somebody will say, "Oh, how big's the part?" and you're like, "Well, it's a line." Oh, mm -hmm. you got to mm -hmm. you got to call somebody who gets that that's a big deal. I'm so so a fan of what you just said. I love it. Uh, okay, um, Suzanne Chambers asks: Is it easy for him to memorize, or does he have a way to memorize better? Yep, I got some tricks to share with you. Um, uh, I'm 55 now, so I just had my first show where memorization was a challenge because <laughs> I'm losing my memory. Um, so uh, a couple of things. Um, some of these are going to be obvious to you guys, but I'll just tell you what I do. I like to record my lines. What I'll do is I'll take a – if it's a long line, I'll, t I'll break it down into bite-sized chunks. And what I do is I'll, I'll, I'll say that part of the line, then leave a gap then say it again, then leave a gap, then say it again, then leave a gap. And in, then when I play it back, I'm repeating it back to myself in those gaps. Does that make sense? Like I'm, uh -huh. I'm hearing this part of the line, then I say it back. And so I'm saying it out loud without reading it on the page, which helps. Um, and then I'll go back sometimes through and, and record larger chunks. And, you know, uh, writing it out longhand is one of the most effective things I, I have because it slows you down. Your hand is sort of committing to the words. It's some weird thing that goes into your brain. 
But just in, in writing it out longhand, what you're doing is you're looking at the page, then you're looking away and replicating what you just saw. So that helps. Um, obviously, working with a friend is, you know, uh, particularly helpful. And then, of course, the, you know, when you're stuck on certain lines that are hard to learn, it's uh, you, if you just really figure out why the writer wrote those particular words, why those are the words, uh, why your character has chosen to say that particular thing, that's one of the best memorization techniques I have. Yeah. I had a really hard time memorizing. Uh, I thought I was doomed as an actor because I couldn't memorize. And then I finally listened to my mom who said, learn one line, learn the first line, make sure you memorize that first line and then move on to the second one and then repeat both first lines, both yeah. first sentences and just slowly move down. And I tell you, it saves, it seems very tedious, but for me, it saves so much time doing it that way. Well, t and tedious is good. If it's tedious, you're doing it right. Uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're like, oh, I'm sick of these fucking words, that, then you're doing it right because you're really getting to the point where you know I'm second nature. Because now what I'm trying to do is overlearn. What I mean is, you know, if I can do it alone in my apartment, that's one thing. But then you get on the set and you get nervous or you get, or get distracted or, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, I did a scene on Luke Cage where I was spouting all this pseudoscience and then I got on the set and they wanted me rushing around operating machines in my lab that I didn't know what the fuck they were and they were all fake. And so I had to do that while, while spouting this stuff and I was really glad that I had worked with a friend and really learned this crap. Yeah, definitely. You definitely have to overlearn stuff. I've Sometimes I'll put the radio on and try to say my lines. Oh, that's good. The moment the camera's on, it's like you are not – you're 50% as prepared as you thought you were. Yep. Boy, that's – I like that technique. I'm stealing that one. Try it. It's a lot harder. You realize very quickly that you're not as prepared as you thought you were when the radio's on or, or talk oh, yeah. radio or something. Yeah. <laughs> Michael. Darren Darnborough, actually one of the guests on this uh, show in the past, asks, do you slash did you have a coach specifically to work on audition material, or does it distract you and make you second-guess the choices you've already made? I'm a great advocate of coaching. I am a coach, so I, I, you know, and I, I've seen clients come in nervous and leave feeling ready, and that is everything. There's something about saying the words out loud with someone, even if that's all you do, you don't want the first person that you say it out loud with to be the casting director. It just, it's missing a part of the process. So even by saying it out loud, even by having another brain ask you questions about what you're doing and thinking about, it doesn't make you second guess. It makes you do the work of the actor and, and get analytical about stuff. Uh, that said, you want to find a good coach who you find you agree with and, and that they give you good encouragement and stimulation, you know, for your brain. And, uh, but I, but I'm, I, I I think it's a very, very important and valuable part of the process that you shouldn't skip. And if you can't afford a coach, just work with a friend. You know, it's better to go to somebody who really coaches. But you can just go with – I've gone to friends and say, look, don't give me any notes. I just need to do this out loud and at least do that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, Darren actually has a company called uh, WeRehearse.com where oh. you can just sign up to talk to any number of readers all around the world whenever you want to practice for an audition or just have a reader or just hear the words back or anything. Well, that's fantastic. Um, okay. Amanda Day has a couple questions. The first one is, uh, how do you deal with auditioning with an actor who isn't giving you much to work with? Great. Um, I think that's uh, – I, I, I think of it as a gift now, believe it or not. Um, because in most cases, and I talked about this in the last, in the last episode, but I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it. Your character wants something from the other person. 
if they're not giving it to you, you want it more. You know, if you're, uh, I, I used this example last time, but I'm not feeling creative, so I'll use it again. <laughs> you're, you're playing a detective. You want to find out, you know, get some answers from a suspect. They're not giving it to you. You got to dig in and, and stay on them, you know, uh, and it gives you some reality to work with. You know, I, I talk about scrutiny in my work, you know, scrutinizing the other person and figuring out what's going on with them and really trying to figure out. And if they're not responsive, it gives you more to scrutinize. Don't let it frustrate you. Don't let it frustrate you and don't let it don't don't abandon your character's mission. That's the answer. When you're when you're on a TV show or a um, a movie set and you're doing an over the shoulder shot with another actor and when the camera's on them, they are acting and they're really in it. And when you're when the camera's on you, they're not giving you shit. Mm. Is that a problem? What do you think about that situation? Does that happen a lot, or or not very often with professionals? It really doesn't happen. I mean, I I, I haven't worked with any actors. In fact, we always laughed on the wire that we would do our best takes when it was the other person's close up because we we didn't have the the pressure of the camera, and so we started to get very truthful. And, yeah. and you know, we actors mostly will give you everything they can when it's your close up. So I I, I haven't experienced that. But again, I I love to play the truth, and if the actor isn't giving me what I need, I'm searching their face to figure out what's going on, and then I've got a really interesting take. You know? Yep. Okay, Amanda Day also asks, do you try to be totally off book for auditions? Um, yes, I, I try to be totally off, totally memorized, um, and I always hold the pages because, um, and again, I think most people know this philosophy, but I'll say it for those who don't. If you come in without the pages, then it becomes about your memorization, and the people are going, oh, wow, this person memorized the whole scene, and then they're, that's what they're focused on. Uh, rather than your characterization, and in some cases it makes the um, the casting director nervous because they're wondering, are you going to get through this? It also lets if you hold the pages, it also reminds them on a subconscious level that this is just an audition. You haven't worked with your with a director yet or another actor, and that the actual product is going to be even better. It, 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 it's actually for them. It makes them more comfortable, I think, if you hold the pages and use them as needed. If you forget a line, don't freak out. Look at the script. That's what it's for. But yes, I memorize because I find that as I memorize, I'm answering a lot of questions for myself in terms of the scene and what it's about, what the character's about. Um, and it makes me more comfortable, frees me up to do my work. Actors are crazy, right? So we take what should be something that's freeing and wonderful, which is learning our lines, and then we make it like a test. Oh, shit, what if I forget one of them? And that's adding a level of anxiety you don't need. I say learn the lines just like you would do in rehearsal, just like you would do in any situation. Learn the lines, do the work. As I say in my workshop, you're not going to book the fucking job. That's my philosophy. You're not booking the job. Now is the time to do the work of an actor. Do the scene. Play the scene. You're going to go in, play a scene, and never play it again. So go do it. I, I learn the lines for me, you know, because I want to enjoy and relish this rare opportunity to act and play a character. But I don't make it a nerve-wracking thing where, oh, crap, what if I forget one of the lines? That's what I have a script for. Uh -huh. Okay, uh, speak of the devil, Nelson Rittaller, he's the guy I was talking about earlier. He has a question, and he says, I want to know how he prepares for an emotional scene. Um, I suck at playing big emotions. 
Um, it's not my strong suit. I'm just being very honest with you. I play a lot of cerebral characters that are thinkers that are, you know, neck up. Um, that said, in those situations where I am playing an emotional scene, I think it depends. Some storylines are easy for me to imagine what if. And, and I, I could just put myself in the character's situation and go, wow, I, I can imagine what that would feel like. In other situations, I need to summon up something from, I mean, these are just different acting techniques. I'll summon up something from my past and just sit in it, you know. Um, I was doing a production of Gypsy, uh, and if you don't know the plot, it doesn't matter, but the, but there's a scene where uh, my character finds out that he's never go the woman he loves is never going to marry him. And I thought about my first girlfriend, who I loved with all my heart, and, and you know, I put myself back there, and, uh, and I just sat in that. She's never going to marry me. And it, ha it worked. It worked. I, I, I had tears on stage. It was great. But, um, you know, these are just different acting techniques. I don't, but I, I'm not the expert on this because I mostly don't play those roles. I play, uh, you know, funny guys and intellectual guys and, and bad guys. And, you know, not, I don't have a lot of big anger crying scenes to do. And it's my weakness. Uh, honestly, it's, a, it's my shortcoming as an actor. It's not my best suit. Okay, Michael, um, thanks again so much for being on this podcast. I look forward to meeting you in person for the first time on the 5th or the 6th. I think I'm going to be there the 5th. I encourage all my uh, listeners who are in Chicago or close to come to the, uh, the Audition Psych 101 workshop. Um, this is the last question from Beth Argus. She says, is it really a numbers game or is it truly about talent? You know, the real answer to your question and I will say this, I, I, will, I will set myself up as an expert on this because I've been doing this a long time, is that it is both and neither. I think that actors spend a lot of time trying to find uh, patterns and logic in a career that doesn't really have a lot of patterns and logic. So some people will say, well, it's all who you know. And sometimes, sometimes you get a job because of who you know, and sometimes you don't get a job because of who you know. Or people will say, well, it's you know, the best actors will always rise to the top. It's not true. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And the sometimes is the thing that's hard for us to take. We are in a career, and this is, you know, I always say it's crucial to your mental health to address the reality. The reality is that we are in a, um, a career that doesn't have a lot of consistency to it and a lot of patterns. And if we can let go of the desire and the, you know, the, the effort to find the pattern or the secret or the, you know, the magic trick, we will be much better off. You just got to keep doing your work. This is going to sound so fucking corny, but I, I swear this is true. You have to enjoy the journey. You have to enjoy that you chose this life and you have to enjoy the randomness and the craziness of it and the whole mess. Uh, which can work in your favor as well as against your favor. It, it, you know, I as I always say, I know very good actors who are not working. I know mediocre actors who are working. I know, um, you know, times when it's a numbers game and times when it's talent. So, you know, you've asked a really big, vast question, and the answer is it's not all anything. And a, this is a lot of what I talk about in Audition Psych 101, is pulling apart some of the mythology that actors create for themselves. Um, and some of the anxiety that we create for ourselves by trying to answer these unanswerable questions, you know, and find magic patterns. It's easier in other professions. 
You know, the, the person who's going to have success at accounting is probably the person who's really good at accounting. We don't have that. We're in an art form. It's subjective. Making peace with the fact that it's random and chaotic and doesn't make sense and and doing it anyway and saying, I'm, I'm signing on for this anyway. I love what I do. That's That's the shit. That's the answer. If you'd like to sign up for one of Michael Kostroff's workshops here in Chicago on the 5th or the 6th of November, go to auditionpsych101.com. The cost of the workshop is just $75, but Michael wanted me to let you know that if you're going through financial hardship and you're not able to pay that, just email him at auditionpsych101 at gmail.com, and he's happy to give you a break on the price. If you like this podcast, please go to iTunes and give me a rating or review, and I will happily personally thank you on an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening.